Hello, and welcome to another Conversations with Dutch. I am really looking forward to this time today to share with you some things that are on my heart regarding what God is doing, regarding the virus and what the world is facing right now. I, uh, I've already least released one podcast this week, and uh, that was regarding Passover, a message I did a while back called Pictures of Passover. God has associated the, the breakthrough regarding this uh, virus with Passover. My friend Chuck Pierce actually prophesied we would face a, a great plague. The world would uh, beginning early in the year through Passover. And uh, so God, through other prophets as well, has been associating the the breakthrough season regarding this situation with Passover. We have sold this message, the, 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 the one, the podcast we released, we've been selling it for two or three years uh, in our bookstore, but uh, I wanted to sow it, gift it into the body of Christ because it is such an encouraging message. It's one of the most powerful messages I've ever preached because it's so anointed by the Lord. So if you would listen to that and share it with your friends, you would find yourself very, very encouraged. And faith would just rise in you for, for breakthrough during this season. And you would pray with greater faith. And you'd be motivated to move forward. But I do feel like I need to release this word also because it is a word of such hope and encouragement. It 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 will uh, give you uh, a picture and understanding of the journey I've been on that the Lord uh, actually used to prepare me for this time and the assignment that I would have in turning it back. And it's also associated not just with the breaking of the plague, but of breakthrough in general, spiritually speaking, for our nation. So, so uh, sit back and listen. Don't try to take a lot of notes. You note takers out there, you um, you just want to get the big picture of what God is saying in, in this. It's a series of dreams and a prayer journey that I conducted uh, based on those dreams. And I know you'll be uh, encouraged as you listen. <clears throat> uh, back in October of last year, I was sent two dreams. One of them, relatively short, simply said uh, that I, a brother said he dreamed that I called him. He's a trusted prophet that God gives dreams for me. And he, he said, in the dream, I called him and said, clear your schedule and make plans to meet me at Valley Forge. Well, as I'm sure most, if not all of you know, Valley Forge was the winter encampment of George Washington and the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War, which really became the make or break point of the war. Our troops were undersupplied, underfed. They didn't have medicine. They didn't have clothing. It was a brutal, brutal, brutal winter they spent there with George Washington. Uh, if they made it, there was hope, but Frankly, it was doubtful that they would survive. There was actually a plague, uh, incidentally, uh, 
consistent with where we are today. There was a plague that killed 2,000 of them. And it was just a crucible time. It was, it was really a season that, that they had to persevere incredibly uh, to make it through this time. And, uh, but God used it to also bring discipline and people into the war to help them with, with funds and troops and, and, and training. So Valley Forge was really the crossing over point. It was their passing over. It was the time they broke through. George Washington obviously was there. He no doubt had the appeal to heaven flag there. I say no doubt because he is the one that commissioned the appeal to heaven flag. He, he's the one that uh, asked for it to be uh, made, commissioned. It flew over the uh, ships uh, on the masts of the ships in the war. It flew over the battlefields. Uh, why would not the man who commissioned the flag have one there with him at Valley Forge? He would go out. Uh, from his headquarters, pray at a stream about 100 yards in front of it uh, every day, call on God, ask him for mercy. Please, please give us food. Please help us through this time. So it was, a, it, was a, it was the place, one of the places that marks the birthing of our nation. So I said, clear your schedule in this dream. Clear your schedule. Make plans to meet me at Valley Forge. He said that Bill had a dream. I told him in, in his dream, I said, Bill had a dream in which he said there were angels on reserve there that must be called into active duty. Well, I knew Bill was the young man who gave me the appeal to heaven flag, my first one, and acquainted me with the story. So I knew this was about appealing to heaven. It was about prayer. It was about Washington. It was about same thing, rebirthing our nation that had birthed it initially, a prayer movement of appealing to him. And so uh, I knew this was to be literal, that we were I was going to have to go there and pray. That it wasn't just a symbolic thing. Then another dream was sent to me in October. And uh, this is a little more detailed, a little longer dream. But this is also from a very trusted prophet that the Lord uses to send me dreams at times. And she said, before going to sleep last night, I had a quick vision of a very large statue of George Washington. He was mounted on the back of a horse that was in a reared up position. In his hand, he had a gun like those used in the Revolutionary War, but he was holding out in front of him pointing it with one hand like a sword. And that was the end of the vision. She said, then I went to sleep and dreamed, and the same statue was in my dream. I knew it was positioned in Washington, D.C., because I could see the lit up Lincoln Memorial and the cherry blossoms. Now, I knew this was about when God gives me a dream. You're going to see in a few minutes that it was about me. I was in the dream. When that happens, and it's associated with Washington, D.C., uh, with our founding fathers and, and leaders from previous generations in this dream, Washington, Lincoln, I know it's about our destiny as a nation. It's about uh, why God raised us up initially, and it's about the synergy of the ages. You know, God walked me through a season during the Appeal to Heaven revelation where he showed me 
that not only can we agree in prayer with people alive today, we can agree with those from previous generations. We can come into agreement with what God promised them and what they asked him to do. And if we come into agreement, there is a multiplying of power just as happens when we agree in prayer with people in a service. Hebrews 11 actually says God can't finish what he started through heroes of faith until the next generation comes into agreement and fulfills their part of that. So he called that to me, the synergy of the ages. When you align with the ages past appropriately, there is a synergistic release of power and anointing from him. It's like the double portion that came to Elisha. So I knew this was about the nation. I knew it was about what God wants to do through our nation. And I knew it was about the synergy of the ages. So she says, I, I saw the Lincoln Memorial and I saw the cherry blossoms. Well, I knew that that was giving me the timing. There was no other reason for the cherry blossoms to be in the dream as far as I was concerned, other than the timing, which is late March, last part of March, first part of April. So I knew that this dream was about that season. And she said, my noticing these scenes in the dream seemed to be significant. The gun that Washington was holding was pointing toward the southwest. The statue could pivot. I don't know how far around it could pivot, but I knew it could go from southwest to northwest because I saw it move in these directions, she said. Under the front legs of the statue of the rearing horse, I saw Dutch sheets. And I knew, again, I'm going to have to go. This is more than symbolic. I just knew it as I read it. So I'm going to have to go to Valley Forge, have to go to Washington, D.C., then she said, I don't know who he was talking to, but he turned, standing under the horse of Washington, he turned to his right and said, it's time. It was like what he was about to do had been reserved for a specific time, and he recognized this was that time. And again, the cherry blossoms, the timing. When he said it's time, there was a huge megaphone that appeared about the size of a three or four story building. Now, why would God use a megaphone? Well, you'll see in a moment, but he's going to amplify and send out the voice of decrees. But it was about the size of a three or four story building. She said, I knew he couldn't lift that up. But all of a sudden, there were a group of people uh, surrounding or aligning the megaphone, and they picked it up and held it on their shoulders put it to his mouth as he stood under the statue. Then he faced, that would be me, he faced and spoke in whatever direction the gun in Washington's hand was pointed. When the gun moved, Dutch moved, and the megaphone was turned to accommodate him. As the people would carry the megaphone, point it in whatever direction the gun was pointed, Dutch began to release decrees. I don't know what the exact decrees were, but they had power in them. Now, let me stop and say, this is the ecclesia. They put the megaphone in the dream on their shoulders, which symbolizes government. And the ecclesia is God's government in the earth. When Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia or church, he wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about a legislature. That's what the word meant in that day when Jesus said that to the Romans, to the Greeks, an ecclesia was a legislature. It was a 
governing body. So Jesus said, I'm giving you keys or authority to bind and loose. And those were government terms. Those were judicial terms. You're going to be my governing agency, the governing arm of my kingdom. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and you're going to bind and loose for me. You're going to operate in my name or in my authority and you will be my legislative group on the earth. So this is not just a dream about me. It's about an army or a group of people there with me. It's the ecclesia, the body of Christ that understands that we're an ecclesia and we're going to begin to make decrees. So even though I made them in the dream, it's not just me. So as the decrees, <clears throat> as the decrees would come out the end of the megaphone, eagles would fly in and pick them up. There was no randomness to their flight. They knew exactly where they were to go with them. They'd carry the degree, the decrees to the point of their assignment. There they would drop each decree. When they dropped the decree, it would become what looked like a white sheet. I believe the angels, the eagles or angels that were carrying these decrees uh, throughout the nation and they covered the nation like a sheet some were dropped on land, some on buildings, some on churches, some on churches with steeples. It wasn't just charismatics, Pentecostals. It was, it was all groups uh, receiving these decrees. They were assigned to Washington, D.C., different parts of the entire nation, even though initially it was the northwest up toward Washington State, all the way down the west coast to uh, the southern part of California, but then they blanketed the nation. And she said there was no delay. The decrees were instantly delivered to their assigned places. There were words written on the sheets that were carried. And obviously the words were the decrees. The only one she could see the words, uh, what, the, what the, uh, the word said was the word saved. And I know that's the primary message the Lord wanted to bring. America will be saved. So I knew based on these dreams in October of last year that I would at, at a certain time, late March, early April, need to go to Washington, D.C. and Valley Forge to make decrees over the nation and release angels. I always take a small group when I do this for the agreement to do it as a team. So early March, I began to plan this uh, endeavor. And uh, of course, uh, then the virus was beginning to grow and the, uh, the restrictions were, being, were beginning to be placed. It, it was apparent how big and how devastating this could be. So at first I thought, well, a small group can still do this, 15, 20 people, maybe we can still go do this thing. But then the closer we got to the date, which was the last day at the end of March, March 30th, it became obvious because of what the president was asking and governors were asking that we should not take a large group to do even that size, 15, 20 people to do this. It wasn't safe. And uh, parts of Washington, D.C. were closed down, especially to, to any group of people. And um, uh, Valley Forge, the, the park, was closed. 
Not to mention the fact that I just wanted to be supportive of what the president was asking us to do and not take a group to do this. So my first thought was that I would uh, just postpone it and uh, do it later. But the more I prayed into this, the more I realized there's no reason for God to give the cherry blossoms in this dream other than the timing. And if I waited to the end of April, they would be gone and I would not be doing it at the time that he said, do it. So I sought the Lord and said, Lord, how can I fulfill this? And what he put in my heart was to go by myself. There is a couple that I had a part of this, uh, John and Jolene Hamill, and, and they live in Washington, D.C. They could meet me there and we could still do the social distancing and, and uh, we could walk and pray and I could have the agreement, but we could also get the entire team that had been planning to go with me on the phones, our phones, and, and do a conference prayer call. And then I realized why this unusual picture God gave us in the dream of using mega phones. And that's the way he uses dreams. You know, he gives these pictures that can represent certain things. And so <clears throat> as, as strange as it was, to see the megaphone now, we then we realized, okay, this is going to be done. Uh, we're going to cover the nation through this phone uh, prayer time. So we put it together and uh, planned to do that. I would go to Valley Forge first. I drove it in two days and then on Monday the 30th, prayed there, drove to D.C. and we prayed there under the statue very specific place the Lord had shown us to pray. Just before, uh, just before going on the trip, another dream was sent to me about Valley Forge from the same prophet that sent me the first dream. And uh, this was an incredible dream uh, uh, with some details that, basically said, Dutch, I dreamed that while at Valley Forge, the angel who spoke mercy six times to you in front of the White House appeared to you. Now, that was in 2016. I was there praying with a couple of other brothers, and we had been sent there on a very specific assignment to go and pray in front of the White House uh, in February. And as we prayed there, the um, uh, we had separated ourselves quite a distance from uh, other people, 50 yards or so, so we could have privacy. We, we were very discreet. You would think we were just over there talking to each other, but we were really praying, didn't lift our hands, didn't get loud uh, because we wanted privacy and we didn't want to make a scene. But as we were praying there about an hour and a half, at one point an elderly man bent over, saw us, and began to walk toward us. At first, I was a little irritated because I wanted the privacy. And it became, even though he's 50 yards away, it became clear he's headed, headed toward us. As he got close to us, I could tell he's going to pass us about three feet in front of us. We, we paused our praying to let him get past. And when he got within a few feet of us where we could hear him, without making eye contact or saying anything to us, 
rather than one word, he just with his head down spoke six times the word mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. And by then he was passed and kept going. We felt the presence of the Lord. It was a holy moment. One of the men said, who was that? Was that an angel? And we all nodded. We, we felt like it was. We said, who are you? Please come back here. He would not stop. He continued past us, walked into a crowd of people and, and vanished, disappeared. We knew God had sent an angel to tell us, I'm going to give mercy to this nation. And so that became my rallying cry and prayer during the 2016 year, especially leading up to the elections. Lord, give us mercy. A couple of months after that, uh, another dream was was uh, conveyed to me. Another person had in which in the dream, I, I kept saying, I've tapped into a root of mercy. I've tapped into a root of mercy over and over again. And then there was a third uh, vision where uh, the sky was raining coins, U.S. coins with eagles and presidents, et cetera, on the coins. But across the top of each coin in all capital letters, it said mercy. And in this vision that he had, I picked up a handful of the coins and I said, mercy is our new currency. And so mercy was a huge word for me at that point in time. And that angel has uh, has appeared to others with messages for me since then, which I don't have time to go into right now. But this man said, in the dream, the, the angel who spoke mercy six times to you appeared to you at Valley Forge. You were on a walking trail. He presented to you 12 stones, which he said had come from the Delaware River. He instructed you, as you complete your walk, finish your assignment, to place the 12 stones under a bent over tree as a memorial that the angels are released and the war has turned. The angels that he said were on, uh, on reserve at Valley Forge are released and the war has turned. As I left that trail, another man appeared to me in his dream, dressed in the clothing of the early era of our nation, and said he was William Penn. And that he said, because you're a man who kept your word, even when it cost you, God is releasing to you the stewardship ability of Elijah. And I knew that that meant the, the ability to be a part of a turning a nation. Now, William Penn is significant here. And just bear with me for a minute. I know I'm giving a lot of details, facts, past revelation in this, but just, just bear with me and follow me. Uh, this is significant, the William Penn thing, because when, when the, the, the angel of mercy, I was told in the dream, gave me 12 stones from the Delaware River, 12, of course, being the number of, of government and authority. So I knew God was saying that we had authority to, to do this for him. Uh, but 
But when the 12 stones were given to me, the angel of mercy said, these are from the Delaware River. So we contacted a friend and asked him, could he go to the Delaware River and get us 12 stones, small stones that we could use for this? He said, yes, I will get them. It's the easiest place to get them here in Philadelphia is from Penn Treaty Park. Well, that was amazing to me because obviously William Penn was in the dream, but also in 2016, I was sent on a prayer journey prophetically. Chuck Pierce prophesied to me and said, go to various places in the nation that represented covenant with God and re-covenant the nation to him there. One of those places was Philadelphia. And while there, we went to Penn Treaty Park, where this man said he would get the rocks. Now, he didn't know anything about this dream, and he didn't know anything about what we had done in 2016. But when we were at Penn Treaty Park in 2016, praying, the Spirit of God came into place in a profound way. And we knew the park was filled with angels and it was filled with the presence of God. And the Lord spoke to several of us on this team that there in that place, that represented Penn's walk with God, his, his covenant with God, and his covenant with the First Nations people that he kept. He didn't just take the land, he bought the land. It was, a, it was a place that represented God's heart for this nation and what he wanted to do here. And, and, and we, we heard the Lord say clearly to us there that in that place, we had tapped into the root of mercy over this nation. So in the place where that happened, where we tapped into the root of mercy, based on the dream that had been given earlier, without us asking him to, this young man took the stones from that place, gave them to us for this new journey, and then Penn came to me in the dream. Too much to all be coincidental. We knew God was saying, this is another step in the journey of recovenanting this nation to me. It's another step in the journey of procuring mercy for this nation. And this is an assignment that I have given to you to go to Valley Forge, to go to Washington, D.C., and connect with the past and release the synergy of the ages and the angels and just as Elijah's words didn't fall to the ground, but were, were used by the Lord to turn a nation, he would use our decrees to do the same. So those are the incredible dreams and words God gave me before going on this, uh, on this journey. We went to Valley Forge and, and uh, had a, a powerful prayer time. Uh, you weren't allowed to gather in the park. All the parking places were closed. They wouldn't let people park along the side of the road because they were trying to keep people out. They would not stop you from walking trails. And if you were not in groups, you could walk through some of the grounds, but there was no place to park, which discouraged that. And uh, and yet we we tried to pull off the road close to Washington's headquarters. The house is still there where he headquartered at Valley Forge because that's where we wanted to pray and take the appeal to heaven flag and, and the 12 stones. 
But as we parked there, rangers came by and told us very, very firmly, this park is closed. You cannot park here. And you need to leave. And we appealed to them, uh, told them what we wanted to do. And they basically said, hey, the park is closed. You cannot park here. Uh, if you walk around and not being in a group, we're not going to stop you. But you need to you need to move your car. And so three of us were dropped off and the other person took the car elsewhere. And we walked down the stream in front of Washington's headquarters. The reason that's significant is because rather than forcing us to leave, we were able to go for an hour and pray without any question on the edge of this stream where Washington had prayed many, many times at Valley Forge. I am confident that not only had he prayed there, the appeal to heaven flag had been there. It was there that God shaped the army and shaped this man and answered the prayers. And we were able to go back to that very place and make our appeal. We did exactly as the dream said to. We took the appeal to heaven flag. We took the 12 stones. We got our phones out and through mega phones, we blanketed the nation with decrees over America that America will be saved. And that the same thing, prayer and appeal to heaven that birthed this nation for the purposes of God would rebirth this nation. Then we drove to Washington, D.C. and did the same thing under the statue of George Washington pointing in all directions of the nation in the dream. And we did the same. I can only say to you, both of these hour prayer times were profoundly anointed, significant. We had no doubt that angels were helping us, that our decrees were blanketing the nation, and God was doing what he said he would do. Then on my drive home, and I'm obviously trying to move quickly through all of these dreams, but on my drive home from Washington, D.C., the next day after the prayers, a gentleman, the same gentleman that had the Valley Forge dreams, called me and said, I had another dream last night. And in this dream, he said, Dutch, you gathered leaders that are connected to you. And you said to them, call the blacksmiths. Well, that's significant because Valley Forge is named after a forge. It was there in this, it, it symbolically, our nation was forged there at Valley Forge which is named after a blacksmith, a, a forge. And so I said in the dream, call the blacksmiths and tell them to beat the plowshares back into swords. Amazing word. And it comes from Joel chapter three, verse 10, beat the plowshares back into sword. The verse in the Amplified Bible says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And then note, hear this phrase, let the weak say, I am strong, dash a warrior. Let the weak say, I am strong, a warrior. And he said, I said in the dream, tell people to do this. 
And then he said, the altars of America and the churches of America must now be cleansed. I, I, I feel like what the Lord is saying through this dream is that we, we continue to fight. We make our decree. The sword represents the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God. We continue to decree over our nation that revival is coming, that God is cleansing our nation, that there will be repentance, there will be a turning, that he's not finished with America, that he's, that he's not coming to destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And even though our sins and our turning from God allow things like these plagues and other things to happen to us, it is not God sending death to elderly people and to innocent people across this nation. It is, it is the evil one using what we have done, the open doors that we've created to do this, but God is merciful. And in his mercy, he is coming to save us and he's going to use it to turn this nation back to him. And just as he saved the nation at Valley Forge, he's going to save the nation at this Valley Forge. He's going to save the nation physically and economically and spiritually. And we're going to see it turning back to him and a full, complete fulfillment of what he set out to do in, in the early days when he birthed this nation, he will accomplish that. And so I knew that that's what he's saying. So I'm saying to you, decree over your families, release your sword over your families, bind the enemy from sending the plague into your home. This is Passover season. Put the blood over your doorpost. You don't even have to do anything literally as a symbolic act. You can, but, but go to your doors and windows and say the blood of Jesus is over this house. He covers our hearts. He covers our minds. He covers our bodies. The plague will not come near my dwelling, Psalm 91. And pray it over the nation. Curse the plague and release the blessing and call forth revival to America. The day after I returned home, uh, another dream was sent to me. This dream is so encouraging. I want to uh, read it to you. On April 7th, 2020, I dreamed President Trump was walking on the bank of a small river. And she says she believed this was the same river that we saw at Valley Forge where President Washington uh, prayed and where we prayed when we went to Valley Forge. At first it seemed he was pacing back and forth, but then I realized he was actually looking for something. He said, I was told something had been left for me here and I came to find it. I thought I could find it here, but I'm not seeing it. He continued to search, but finding nothing, he turned to walk away. Just as he turned, there was a wooden box measuring about three feet wide, a foot in height, two feet from front to back, that came bobbing up in the water. I could see down in the water, and there were several people lying on the bottom of the river, and they had been holding the box, but they lost their grip on it, and it just rushed to the surface of the water. It made a splash, and President Trump turned to see what it was. When he saw the wooden crate, he reached out, grabbed it, and pulled it to the bank. He then took a knife from his pocket and used it to open the lid to the crate. 
we jump ahead and say there are people trying to influence our present in a wrong way. There are spiritual forces trying to keep him from seeing what he needs to see, trying to keep our nation from seeing what it needs to see, doing what we need to do. They're trying desperately to keep this nation from turning back to our purpose, our destiny of being the trumpet of the gospel to the ends of the earth, being a beacon of freedom, liberty, and being a, a, a nation under God himself. But God is using his president to, to turn the nation. He's going to use him even more. And these people will not stop him. Inside the crate, inside the crate, he found an old Bible, an appeal to heaven flag, an old Bible, an appeal to heaven flag, and communion elements, a cup of wine and bread. He immediately took the appeal to heaven flag and draped it over his shoulders. And I would just add here, much like I believe Washington probably did there at Valley Forge. He then knelt down on one knee, on his right knee. He put the old Bible on his left forearm, held the cup of wine in his left hand and the bread in his right. And with tears flowing from his eyes, he began to pray. With the appeal to heaven flag still draped over his shoulders, he looked down at the Bible and the communion elements with such admiration, and he said, this is it. This is what I came to find. And I'm inserting now. He came to find Passover. He came to find the cross. He came to find through prayer. He came to find what Christ did. He came to find that connection with the Lord, maybe greater than he's ever had. I believe that will happen. He came to connect with our roots and he found it. Then she said, all of a sudden there was a huge slingshot that appeared and President Trump stood up and positioned himself inside it. A hand came, pulled him back in the slingshot and launched him from that place. All of the items he had found in the wooden crate he had with him in the launch just as he was launched forth from the slingshot, those people that had been in the river holding the wooden crate, I'm adding here, trying to stop him, came out of the river and tried to grab President Trump, but it was too late. He was already airborne, and they could not touch him. I saw him land from the launch. The landing was like what you see when someone lands from a parachute jump. A perfect landing on his feet. The place he landed was on a stage on the steps of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It was Inauguration Day, and he was giving an inaugural address. He will be reelected. They will not be able to stop him, and he will finish what God has sent him there to do. He has not done all of, even remotely, all of what God has sent him there to do. God's going to grip our, this present. He's going to know uh, the Lord well, and God's going to continue to use him and, but she says, in this address, it wasn't like a normal speech. He put the appeal to heaven flag around his shoulders there on the steps of the Capitol, and he held the old Bible in his hands. I then realized this was the Bible he'd been sworn in with at his last inauguration ceremony. I believe it belonged to his mother who had connections to the great Welsh revival. He was still crying, and he said, God is taking us back, and he's giving us a new start. 
Now we are rightly focused. We're getting back on track. He then led the nation in a prayer of sincere repentance. And then he took the communion elements he had found in the wooden crate. And he led the nation in communion. What a profound dream. God is going to use this president to be a part of turning the nation back to him. He doesn't have to be uh, perfect. He doesn't have to have had a perfect past. He just, as the leader of our nation, has to humble himself before God and have encounters with the Lord where the Lord can give him wisdom. And a repentance prayer from this man would be earth-shattering. I believe he's coming into a walk and a relationship with the Lord that will be strong, very deep. And I believe what was said in this dream is true. God is taking us back. He's recovenanting this nation to him. And he's giving us a new start. And those opposing him will not be able to stop it. He said in the dream, now we are rightly focused. We're going to focus on him. We're going to focus on true greatness, which is not wealth, but to be a voice of the gospel to the ends of the earth and a voice of freedom, a voice of morality and purity, and, and to show what a nation that honors God and is under God, can how they can be blessed in the earth and we can bless others. He said, we're getting back on track. I leave you with this. Nothing can stop this. We're going to keep praying. We're going to we are going to beat our plowshares into swords and we're going to decree the word of the Lord over this nation. We're decreeing health. We're decreeing the breaking of this plague. We're decreeing that the quickest financial recovery the earth has ever seen is about to take place in America. God is going to give incredible strategy through the president and others. And this nation will turn around. It will turn around with health. It will turn around spiritually. A third great awakening is coming and we're going to get back on track. And everything God intended for this nation is going to take place. Keep making your appeals. It is working. I love you. I bless you. Spread the word about this podcast, please. And be encouraged. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Dutch Sheets Ministries. If you would like more information about us, or if you've been impacted by this podcast and would like to sew into the ministry, please visit our website at dutchsheets.org.